text is in Ephesians 4. Would you like to join me as I read this? Ephesians 4, I'll be reading verses 25 through 28. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In our anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not let the devil, do not give the devil a stronghold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Thanks, Lance. We're going to be in First Thessalonians 5 here in just a minute, so you can go ahead and turn there. I'll talk about what happens here in Acts 17, but we'll be in First Thessalonians. There was a, um, I appreciate it. several of you approached me and said, Hey, Chris, Sylvia, welcome home. Glad you're back. Uh, we spent last uh, Sunday uh, up in Libby, my hometown, and uh, it, was, it was really neat to be there uh, because what I saw, the, the church there uh, bought another building, uh, here uh, about a couple of years ago, maybe now, three years ago. And they've done some remodels, and it's amazing what's happened through some different events that have just transpired in that community. There's a number of families that I've never seen before, never met before, have become a part of the church there. And and just amazing stories of how it's happened, but it's just that, that little church up there, is continues to step out in faith, like like you do, and saying what God is doing here among us matters, and let's try to get out of God's way and see what happens. And it was it was really neat time to be there because there's people there that, like I mentioned before, that changed my diapers when I was a little guy, and there's a lot of people that I had never met and didn't know, and it was it was just a, a fascinating time, uh, just a great time to be there. And so several of the crew there. Uh, Dennis and Jeannie Heckman were part of the church here for a long time. Just said to say say hello to everybody and, and send their love. But it was, a, it was a great time and hopefully encouraging for for them and and for the for the community here as well. There is um, yesterday I got to uh, take both of our kids to camp. Um, we have a huge crew of kids that are at Bible camp this weekend, just down the road at Yellowstone Bible Camp in the Paradise Valley, and uh, there is a. Uh, you know, several of us were there dropping our kids off, and Sylvia and I dropped. Uh, both our kids are at, at junior camp, um, junior high this week, so we are empty nesters. It's kind of strange. Our house is really quiet yesterday, and thought, man, this is wow. What's going on here? This is really strange. And so, we tried to get our dog to bark or something like that, just to to get some some noise around the house. But I uh, I remember as we're one of the Sarah's friends from school is is gone to camp with up there this week as well. But I just remembered in the days leading up to my kids going to camp, saying, okay, is there something else I need to tell my kids before I drop them off for a week and I don't see them at all? And I thought about that as I was dropping them off, because once we got up there to camp, one kid's going this way, one kid's going this way, I'm thinking, okay, what, what else do I need to share with him just to make sure that things go well? Do I need to tell him, all right, Sarah and Luke, don't argue at the table, okay, please don't do that here at camp? Or do I need to say, uh, give them some moral counsel about um, what, you know, what types of things that should be coming out of their mouth? Just those, those last-minute things just to make sure that everything's going to be okay. You feel that tension sometimes with friends, family, whatever it may be, that tension is there. 
Hey, when Paul goes to Thessalonica in Acts chapter 17, he goes to this town, he goes into the synagogue, and in Acts 17 says he is there for three Sabbath days. And so we don't know how long that is exactly, probably three weeks. Maybe he wasn't, he didn't speak or teach every Sabbath day. But let's just say three weeks, just for our discussion here. What we know is Paul's not there very long. But what we do know is that there's some Jews, quite a few Gentiles, and a few prominent women in the community become Christians there and start worshiping together. But what happens immediately is that there's some bad characters that are very jealous decide to run Paul out of town. And so he gets run out of town, and you can imagine the tension that Paul feels. He's got all this unfinished business. He wants to to talk to these people. He wants to share just five more minutes with you about what you need to do in order to live for God and to be able to survive and to thrive spiritually. And I can sense when you read 1 Thessalonians, Paul's tension there. And so a few months later, he writes this book, 1 Thessalonians, which we spent some time a year and a half ago going through on a Wednesday night during our family Bible discussion time. But Paul is spends some time talking about what's important. He talks about how much he loves the, the people there in Thessalonica. He talks about how uh, he didn't want to leave, how that was frustrating, how he wished things would be different, but he prayers, he's praying for them, he's concerned for them. He talks about, because it seems to be there's some confusion. In fact, if you're not there very long, you don't get to talk about everything. And some people had had questions about, wait a minute, what happens when someone passes away? Do they miss out on the return of Christ? And he says, no, 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 don't worry about those people. They're great. They're fine. It's all good. And he spends part of two chapters telling them it's fine. Those who go to sleep in the Lord, those who die in the Lord, are going to be just fine. It's all good. And once we get to the end of chapter 5, I get the impression that Paul just gives some nuts and bolts for basic instructions for life together. Here you are, Maggie. You're a star. You didn't know you were going to be a star, right? Basic instructions for life together. Before we get into that, I want to show one more thing. Okay. What is this here? Soccer ball. That's right. Good job. That's a soccer ball. That's right. I actually picked up one of the soccer balls in my garage this morning to be able to bring it, and it said AYSO on it, which is American Youth Soccer Organization. It's the organization that I coach soccer with and realized that one of the soccer balls that I was supposed to return did not get returned. And so I had a confession moment. This is my confession moment. So they probably ended up with one of my soccer balls, and I ended up with one of theirs. Anyway, I I changed just so people wouldn't ask, what is that there? So I just explained it. There it is. But this is is a soccer ball. So I want to use this here just as a visual aid, because I couldn't find a, a volleyball right off this morning. But one of the things that happens at Yellowstone Bible Camp, if you've ever been there or or observed, where is the volleyball court at? By the creek, okay? Red flag, red flag. You see where this is going, okay? So what happens when people go and the kids go and they play volleyball and they're hitting the ball back and forth different places right next to Mill Creek, inevitably something happens where the ball ends up where? In Mill Creek, right, exactly. The ball goes flying, it ends up in Mill Creek, and sometimes, that's my favorite part of watching volleyball at camp, because once the ball goes in the creek, all of a sudden, everybody around that is playing is, ah! and there's people running around all sorts of different directions to try to jump in the creek to be able to save the ball. But what I notice when that ball is going down, it's just something that, that struck me once watching it, is that ball goes down the stream, and... There is current, there's rocks, there's sometimes, it depends on the time of the year, but Mill Creek can look pretty angry. 
because there's a lot of power there behind it. And it's pushing everything all over the, all over the place. But that ball just seems to calmly go down the stream. It doesn't seem like the ball's upset. It's just a ball. It's just doing its thing, and it's all good. You know, everybody else is screaming, hollering, chaos all around, and the ball's just taking a ride. That's it. Hey, there's a spiritual lesson in that, I believe, is that, and we'll see this as we walk through these different scriptures here, is that God has called his kingdom, his people, his church, to be a people of peace. And what that concept means is that no matter what's going on over here, no matter what's going on out there, there's all of this disaster and chaos in our world. And we just got to turn on the news for five minutes to see disaster and chaos around us, don't we? It's everywhere, all sorts of different ways. But within God's kingdom, God's created to be this sphere where those outside influences are repelled and it is a safe place of peace in the middle. That's what the Hebrew term shalom the idea of peace, that's what that is about. It's not that there is, there's not bad around us. It, there is. It's just that within our community, we're able to remove ourselves from that to, to some extent and live in peace with God. Okay, so we'll come back to that analogy here as we go along. But I'm, I, I copied and pasted all the scriptures up here so you can read and just and watch the screen today. Usually we, have, we look through our, our scriptures on your on your tablet or or with with the Bible, but I wanted to have these up here today for because I think this particular passage it's easier just to, to walk through it this way. Okay, so Paul, he's got a few minutes, wants to share with the Thessalonians. Here's some basic instructions for life together. This is how it works. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Okay, so what Paul does is he starts off with just mentioning, okay, those people that work hard among you, doesn't name them, doesn't give them a title, anything like that. He just says, look for those people who work hard among you, who care for you and who admonish you. So these are people that are invested in God's people and demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit and help call everybody higher. People that shepherd over the spiritual well-being of others, whether they are called shepherds or not. And Paul says, those people... Look out for them. Hold them in the highest regard. Honor them. These are the people that you look at as your heroes. Because of their work, live in peace with each other. Do you remember a while back, we went through the, uh, an elder selection process, and we haven't talked a lot about that process since, but that process, I've talked with how we went through that process with some other church leaders and some of the ways we did that last time, they said, we're doing that next time. That what you did, how you went through that was very good. Because we took some time, talked about what spiritual leadership is, and then simply asked the church, who are people that are spiritually leading and shepherding you? And there was an overwhelming response from, from you as a church uh, for that. And Carl Spiegel was a, appointed as an elder during that time. But one of the things I talked about was, okay, our job is to not make spiritual leaders' lives miserable on a regular basis, right? Do you remember us talking about that? Because we can do that. With my choices or your choices, we can do things in order to make the lives of those around us difficult in just the way that we, we, we choose, whether it's pursuing sin or not getting along with one another, whatever it may be. Paul mentions here to the Thessalonians, okay, one thing I want you to do is really honor those people that work hard among you, and one of the ways you can do that is live in peace with each other, okay? Okay? 
So whatever chaos, whatever is going on around you, you guys learn to live in peace with each other. And so that's easy, isn't it? So good, we can move on from that. That's good. We've all got that dialed, right? Live at peace with one another. It's hard. Whenever there's people involved, it's hard to live at peace with one another. But this is the standard that Paul sets. He says, look at this. Okay, look at their example. Live at peace with one another. Learn to, to do that. That's what, what God wants for you. He continues on. He says, And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Okay, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Okay, this phrase together happens two more times in the Scripture, and both of them are in Second Thessalonians. And what Paul is getting across here is that when people are idle, in other words, I don't want to work, I just want everybody else to take care of me, 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 that sort of thing. Or when people are disruptive, they disrupt the peace within the community. Then Paul says what you're supposed to do is warn them. Bring that to light and help everybody because when there's when people who are idle or were disruptive, that, that destroys the peace among us. He says deal with it. And, and warn that. And he continues on. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Okay? When we're disheartened, how many of you have been disheartened at some point in time? You can think about that. Yeah. Being disheartened means you get to a point where you don't believe that the future can be better than the past. In other words, we lose hope. Because as Christians, that's what God gives us. He tells us that hope is, is paramount. The future is better than the past. And when we get to points where we think, oh, I, this is this is going to be a disaster. Things are horrible. It's always going to be horrible. And that's where our mind and heart goes. That's what he's talking about here in disheartened. And so when we see people among us who are disheartened, the best thing we can do is not go and correct, but walk alongside them and encourage. Walk alongside, encourage them. Say, hey, the future is going to be better than the past. It's going to be all right. We're going to do this. God is good. He's here somewhere. Help the weak. There's times where all of us find ourselves in positions of weakness where we cannot help ourselves. And so we're supposed to walk uh, side by side with each other during those times when uh, we are without answers and without strength, it seems to be. We walk with each other and we help each other out. How many of you have been helped by someone in the church that you don't know what you would have done without that help at some point in time? Yeah. If we've been here long enough, you've had that experience. And that's one of the things why the church is so beautiful and how God's created it is we're called to help each other. Nobody goes hungry among us. We're called to take care of each other in that. And be patient with the people that you like. Okay, let's go on next to there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be a lot easier, wouldn't it? Be patient with everyone, okay? It's easy to be patient with the people that are easy for us to interact with. It's difficult otherwise. But what God calls here is for us to be patient with everyone. And just think about that for just a second. Hey, let me ask this. Can we have confession time here for a minute? If you struggle with patience, come on forward and sit on the front row. No, I'm kidding. Raise your hand. You struggle with patience at times. Yeah. All right. We understand that. Struggling with patience. But just think about this. If every one of us makes a commitment to say, I am committed to being patient with everyone, and I'm going to, I know I'm going to fall short, but I'm going to live day in, day out, as that's a great value, is just being patient with everyone. Because how long was God patient with the Israelites? Years and years and years and years. How long has God been patient with us? 
okay, if God can do this, then at least I need to put forth an effort to be patient with others. Okay, that's, that's tough, but that's what God calls us to. And just think about what God's community looks like if every one of us decides, I'm going to be patient with the person next to me. No matter who they are, I'm going to be one who is patient. Paul continues on, and he says, Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. All right, so make sure that we are kind to each other and we don't respond in kind. Okay? When, when someone does something to us that is hurtful, we don't pay back wrong for wrong. I read a book here recently. It was, it's written by a guy who actually lived in Livingston for years. I don't know if he still lives there. But he was a writer for Outside Magazine. And he wrote a lot of articles. He traveled all over the world. And there's some really funny, interesting articles in there. And he talks about how he was asked once to, to talk at a, at a seminar about how he... Um, uh, Talk about having your dream job and pursuing that. He said, well, I guess I can talk about my, my dream job because I went to New Guinea once and got malaria. You know, I can tell people about that. You know, that's great. You know, whatever. And he's just kind of is funny in the way he shares things. But one of the things that he talks about is he, and he's not a Christian writer at all that I can pick up on, you know, a very secular perspective. But he talks about how he, when he went to New Guinea and spent some time there just studying cultures and trying to understand what made make these people that are just coming out of the Stone Age, literally. What makes them tick? And one of the things he talked about is within some of the tribal regions there, their understanding of when someone is killed, one of your family members, that person's soul cannot find rest unless there is blo- their blood is avenged. Okay? Do you see where that goes? Because if my family member is killed for some reason and they will not find peace unless their, their blood is avenged, unless I kill somebody else, what happens? I kill somebody else and what do they do? Kill somebody else, kill somebody else, kill somebody else, kill somebody else. And we've got this terrible cycle of violence that continues. And we do the same sort of things on a, on a more clinical scale, I guess we can say. Have you ever been in a situation where somebody did something nasty to you, you did something nasty to them, they did something nasty to you, and pretty soon you can't figure out what happened? How did we get here sort of thing? Yeah, we do that in relationships. And so what Jesus is saying, don't do that. Break that cycle. Be patient with everyone. Don't pay back wrong for wrong. But always strive to do what is good for each other and everyone else. That's what you do. Whatever is good for each other, those in the church, and everyone else. You live your life thinking about what's best for them and and act accordingly. And check this out. Just think about what does a person look like if they do this. Rejoice always or find joy always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is what you're supposed to look like, Thessalonians. I was only there a few weeks, but this is what you're supposed to look like as you walk through life. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. So, I look at that and I think, boy, if that's what Paul's definition or part of a definition of what a spiritual person is, then, boy, joy, prayer, and thanks should be pouring out of me throughout my life, day in, day out. I think about that pray continually. I remember as a kid reading that and thinking, oh, no, 
how on earth can I ever live up to praying continually? I've got to go to school. I've got to do other stuff. How is that even possible? I believe Paul's point here is that every aspect of your life should be prayer. And I remember in my immature states at different times thinking, okay, this time is God's time and this time is my time. I can do what I want over here. And this time is God's time and I'll do what he wants over here. You know, we can't pray continually if we think through things that way. But if we look and say, God, my whole life is yours, every part of it, and we pray through life, whatever is happening, that's what Paul's talking about here is praying continually. And give thanks in all circumstances. It doesn't say just when things are comfortable or just when something makes you happy, but give thanks no matter what happens. And as I've mentioned before, I've noticed that the most spiritually mature people are also the most thankful people that I've run into. That's, that's huge. And that comes up over and over in Scripture. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. He continues on, and he says, Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. All right, so quenching the spirit. God, when we become Christians, God gives his Holy Spirit to live in us, to transform us. And if I quench the spirit, means I am resisting transition or transformation in my life. Instead of allowing myself to be convicted and changed to look more like Jesus, I resist that. And I have parts of my life saying, nope, no, no, I'm not going to give this to God. I'm not going to give this to Jesus. I'm not going to go that direction. Nope, nope, not there. You see his point here is, he says, don't quench the spirit. Don't resist that. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Okay? The term prophecy in scripture means one who speaks the words of God. Okay? You have the prophets with a capital P in scripture, that those that... Um, talked about the Christ coming, that God gave them visions to see stuff that they couldn't have predicted otherwise. But prophecy has a much simpler definition as well, one who speaks the very words of God. And there's times where people I know have approached me in life and had something to say, whether it being encouraging or convicting. And those words changed my life. And I believe that God used them to speak those words to me. Some form or fashion, whatever. There are words that... that jived with scripture it was just you know, God worked there somewhere and so but if I walk through life whenever um, something doesn't sit well with me or I, I take issue with something um, it's like I saw on Facebook here a while back just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right a good thing to think about you know wise stuff on Facebook right yeah and so just because I'm offended doesn't mean that I, I need to stop and think I need to reflect and that's what Paul's talking about here. Don't treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. There's a lot of things out there that we have to test and, and hold on to what is good, whether it be music, whether it be TV shows we watch, whatever. No, Test everything, hold on to what is good, and reject every kind of evil. We live in a world, just as Paul did, that called things, some things that are evil good and called some things that are good evil. And our, our world is always confused in that way at times. And Paul says, don't be confused by that. Just reject every kind of evil and uh, keep yourselves pure from that. And he finishes up this section saying, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. And so, in other words, what, what Paul is getting across here to to finish up this section, is saying, I want the God of peace, remember? The God of peace that calls us to dwell within this, this sphere of peace here. 
And may he sanctify you or make you holy, make you pure, wash you through and through. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. Okay, he talks about three parts of our human experience, if we can call it that. There's our spirit, that spiritual side of us that is created in the image of God. There's the soul where our emotions, intellect, all of that resides. And then there is our physical self, our body. Now, those are three parts that cannot be separated. And philosophers and people throughout history have tried to figure out ways to separate that. can't happen. Okay? It's like an apple. If you have an apple, there's the core, there's the white part, the flesh that you eat, and then there's the, the skin on the outside. Which part of it is the apple? All of it. All of it is the apple. Okay? All of it is there. And so Paul is sharing here is that all of these parts, okay, is... May God purify all of these parts, and the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. And as you look back through this, and let's read this again. Let me go back through this, and we'll just read it all at once and get the idea here. Because there's powerful, powerful stuff here. Paul is saying, okay, Thessalonians, I want you to understand this here. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice Always pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all, hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. In other words, all these things that Paul says, here's some nuts and bolts for basic instructions for life together. And guess what? God is pulling for you. God is working because God wants this type of community to exist. So as I think about a ball like this, going down the river, getting cast around all sorts of different directions, but there's peace inside, is that's what God has called all of us to be, is people and a community that is learned by being led by the Spirit to exist in peace no matter what is happening out there somewhere. So here's my recommendation for you this week, because that's what one of the themes that we talk about and things that we're excited about here is sharing the abundant life of Jesus. This is all about the abundant life of Jesus here. And so um, I encourage you to, to go home, look at this section of Scripture, Pick out one thing and say, I'm going to make an effort to work more at looking like this. Now, what you can't do is go home and say, oh, I need some, no, I know somebody needs to read this. You know, I know for myself, after spending quite a bit of time with this, this section of Scripture this week, live where it says, be patient with everyone. It's powerful. Now, that one convicted me. But the one that I decided to, to camp on for the next few weeks, and I'm going to be thinking about it, is give thanks in every circumstance. So I want to be a person that just gushes thankfulness out. That's what God wants me to be. 
So all of us are different. All of us are in different places in life. And I urge you to pick one. Say, I'm going to spend some time looking more like this. And all of us doing that together, we become more of the community that God wants us to be. And we live out the abundant life of Jesus. If you'd like to become a Christian, you're welcome to head to the back. The elders in the back, and they would, uh, they're willing to pray with you. you just got something in your heart that you, it's a burden that you want to unload. They're back there, and they'll pray with you and uh, help you walk through that in life. Um, you don't have to walk alone. Let's stand and sing together.